Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, we are together on bullhorn.fm live to an audience of two. Or five. I think. Something five? like that. There's a few. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, you never know. People show up and come and go throughout the course of these things, but you know, right? And we want you to come yeah. to our bullhorn sessions. We're having fun with this this experiment. It's cool, and you get to participate. It is cool. Yeah, and you get to watch the sausage being made. Right? Yes. This is this is as close as it gets to watching .NET Rocks live, which we just did in Porto like last week with Mark Rendell. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was awesome. That was and and, and show eighteen hundred, man. Yeah, next week. Oh, of course, irrespective of time shifting, but yeah, next week on stage, NDC London, show eighteen hundred, and it'll be with Heather Downing, and we're going to talk developer careers, which I thought was a really great eighteen hundred topic, just because goodness knows we've had a bunch of them. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff Fritz is here. We're going to be talking about clip talk, whatever the heck that is. I'm sure we'll learn all about that. But uh, before we do. Let's roll the crazy music for Better Know a Framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? So, this being show 1796, can you believe it? Staring 1800 in the face. Yeah. Um, you can go to 1796.pwop.me to get the link to my Better Know Framework, which is a .NET show, a video show that I also do. And this one is about native AOT in .NET 7. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And so you're going to go to a GitHub repo that basically has a big readme. It's, I, I use GitHub as my blog. You know, it's just great. Yeah. There's, uh, you get markdown, you get versioning. Okay. It's a blog. So, um, so this has links to everything, you know, all the resources that I have here, plus a video about native AOT. But let me just give you the rundown here. Okay. And AOT uh, stands for ahead of time compiling. As opposed to attack on Titan? <laughs> just asking. So native AOT is a collection of technologies that generate 100% native code at build time with no dependencies. So this native generation is not a new idea, of course, we had NGen, we have ready to run for client and oh, server yeah. scenarios, and mono AOT for mobile and WASM. Uh, NGen is the native image generator for .NET Framework only. Remember NGen? Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, back in the early days of .NET, they talked about NGen, where you could generate native images. That's what that was for. But on the .NET Core side, we have ready to run, and this is um, a format that's used by CrossGen. And now we have CrossGen 2, which is a sort of a rewrite, a redo of that. But it's a .NET Core tool that does a combination of compiling to native and allowing IL execution, because sometimes it makes sense to do IL and sometimes it makes sense to do native. Sure. I, I think this may, makes sense to use the IL approach when the native compilation isn't going to run on that machine. That's right. <laughs> iOS, for example, doesn't allow JIT compiling. Yeah, yeah. So something had to be done there, and that's what Mono AOT does for mobile and WASM, something Jeff Fritz, our guest, knows about. Uh, and if you've been following Blazor, you know about AOT you know, for WASM. That's very cool. Yeah. Of course. So the scenarios that native AOT, which is 100% native for the platform, 
right? It, the, the, it, what it does is it addresses these scenarios. Uh, you can build self-contained apps that can be copied from system to system as long as they're the same. So no dependence on the .NET framework. That's really cool in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, faster load time, right? And so this is a little bit unintuitive because the executable size is bigger for an EXE. Like if you just take a console app and make a .NET core version and then an AOT version, the AOT version is going to be bigger, but it's going to load faster. And if you look at it in memory with Task Manager, yeah. the AOT version takes up way less memory because the the core version has to load the CLR. Right, right. And all its dependencies. Yeah, and and that's a, and a lot of things that it doesn't necessarily use either. Right. Yeah, that's right. So um it so it does have that smaller memory footprint. Uh, but a couple of notes here that uh, performance may or may not be sufficiently improved. It will be better, but how much depends on what you're doing. I did a, a demo in this um, .NET show with a console app that does a Fibonacci sequence. And you can say how many numbers oh, yeah. you want and how many times to loop through. And the the difference, you know, once you run it a couple of times is negligible in, you know, milliseconds right. of difference every time, right? Like a million times difference. Not not very big. But it depends on what you're doing, of sure. course. Right. That's always so true. So I think performance is a sort of a secondary benefit. I mm -hmm. think that the the fast load time, I mean containers, that's where this really shines. Sure. Right? And then you've defined the OS and stuff anyway. So you don't need JIT for anything. You know exactly the environment you're running in, exactly the configuration. It's your flipping container. It's on the manifest. Like, what the hell are you jitting for? Exactly. You don't need, you know, versions and all of yeah. that stuff that, right, that you don't get. No, Jeff is rolling his eyes. Maybe he'll chime in with rolling that. Rolling his eyes on an audio podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it from here. <laughs> But, you know, one downside of using native AOT is you don't get to use reflection the way that you're yeah. used to, right? You can't load an assembly uh, or use uh, reflection.emit for code generation. You gets what you gets. And you're going to be happy with it, by golly. Yeah, I mean, now here's another downside. Right now in preview three of .NET 7, now granted it's coming out in November, but yeah. right now the focus is on getting things working, right? So they're saying Microsoft is saying console apps and native libraries is where the real you know focus is right now. Um, WPF, WinForms, that's coming later, right? And I I saw some criticism also that you know this big big file size. Why is it so big? C plus plus is like you know minuscule compared to this big file size. Well. You got to think about all the stuff that's in the CLR and the stuff that you're going to use, sure. and and also it it uses much less memory, so and it and it runs faster. I did some um, performance metrics, you know, some testing mm -hmm. in this uh, in this video, and one of the things that I did was I used the system process to create a process running each of my versions of a console app. And timing the time it takes after the process start comes back, which means that it's loaded. Right. And it's pretty significant, like, uh, you know, 100 milliseconds for the .NET uh, IL version, 
.NET Core version and, you know, five milliseconds for the native AOT. So it's that's pretty significant. So load time is really, really good. It's cool. Anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. That's all I got. Now back to you in the studio, Richard. What do you got? Who's talking to us? <laughs> what studio? Okay. Uh, grabbed, a, <laughs> grabbed a comment off of show 1725, the one we did with one Jeff Fritz. Maybe you've heard of him, but if you check his bio picture, he looks about 12, except for the beard. Uh, I was talking about Blazor <laughs> static web apps. That's an old bio picture, man. That is an old picture. Holy man. We have to fix that. <laughs> I, I've got a new bio picture I, I just sent you. I bet you do. I bet it's got a colorful beard on it, too. A colorful it doesn't. beard. It has a magical sparkly jacket. So, and of course, we were talking about Blazor and Static and all that good stuff. And Rob uh, Garner had this comment. This was a year ago. He said, uh, when I'm teaching Blazor, it's so much easier than the previous ways of building .NET websites because it actually gets rid of things that I need to teach to get the student to be able to produce a product. So we can have right. one course that teaches all the C-sharp Blazor web development, then another one that teaches JavaScript, React, and Node, then the student can mix and match the technologies at their leisure after completing both. So now each course is focused in a wonderful way. And I think that's really interesting, right? Just A, recognizing mixture of skills, all of them are useful, mm -hmm. and that it, in some ways Blazor is a little more focused on the knitting, like just the things you mm -hmm. absolutely need to do. It's and I'm, I'm almost starting to look at it as like it's a DSL for C sharp for making web apps. That's that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Or otherwise, <laughs> you could say it's a very, very efficient markup language. There you go. An opinionated and opinionated markup language. So, mm. Rob, thank you so much for your comment and a copy of Music to Code By. It's on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at dotnetrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin and he's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. You don't have to native AOT that first because, you know, it's going to get internet it's it's going to take some time anyway it's all it'll all be compiled eventually yeah don't worry about it it'll just, be fine everything's fine just fine. in time tweeting there you go is there yeah. any non just in time tweeting really no no i didn't think so no there isn't i gotta say i, I did a bunch <laughs> of run as is yesterday and they all i all had comments for on all of them so i was sending out run as mugs and the number of mm -hmm. times i said dot net rocks instead of run as would have been all for all of the shows, like every time. It was That's very funny. annoying, you know. So, anyway, just a slight distraction. Do we have a guest? We do, and he's here. His name is Jeff Fritz. Maybe you've heard of him. Never. He's a Microsoft PM, and he's Mr. Blazer, and uh, he's like a Twitch superstar. And he's got a new product that he wants to talk about that he built. Jeff Fritz. Hey, how's it going there, friends? Good to see you. Hello, hello. Great yeah. to see you. First of all, let's talk about the colorful beard. You tweeted earlier today that you're yeah. raising money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Yeah. So and if you got every... $500 in donations, you'd color your beard. Woo. So, yeah. Right. So every May, um, the folks at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, that's a hospital founded by Danny Thomas in Tennessee, um, a little hospital that's grown by leaps and bounds and and – it provides pr provides help provides health services for kids that are facing catastrophic diseases yep. um, and and those kids get and their families get to come and be seen and and helped out by by the staff for free yep. so every year in may folks on twitch light up and and we have a a huge fundraiser called St. Jude Play Live and 
folks from all over Twitch, they, they raise money by doing all kinds of stunts and things to help, help improve awareness about, about the hospital and, and help those kids, those families out. So today was the first day of my fundraiser and, and to kind of give a little bit of a kickstart here, knowing that I'd be joining you gentlemen today, I said, you know what, if we reach $500 in the first couple hours here, I'll color my beard rainbow. I will do the rainbow beard gimmick just in time for .NET Rocks today. And uh, we hit that first goal. And I'm, I'm happy to, to do that for the kids, for to help raise some money and uh, uh, inspire some folks to get involved and, and help out with a fantastic charity. That's awesome. That, that, that does a whole lot of good things out there. Jeff, it's really amazing to know that what you did today will pay for two popsicles. So well, that's American help. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to throw a joke on there, but yeah, yeah. Th- no, that's great what you're doing. Yeah. And you colored your beard really quickly too. So cl- you obviously yeah. have a lot of experience yeah. with this now. I, I might have some, some hair color laying around and, <laughs> and available for this type of thing. I might. But and, dude, where's your purple blazer? Oh, that's hanging up in the closet. I've, I've got, I'm repping the St. Jude shirt today. Nice. Oh, okay. For, Good. So, good, but good. I don't never fear the purple blazer. I've got several of them now are not far, <sighs> never not far, far away. away. Are we going to see them in the .NET Hall of Fame at some point? There's a .NET Hall of Fame. If there isn't, there should be. You think so? They, I, I could think of a perfect book that would describe oh, what should go into. Yes, I know that if only that book existed. Hmm. Yeah. If only, if only somebody we knew might want to try writing that. All right, this is the obscene gesture part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I get something in my eye. <laughs> okay, now that we've all ribbed each other. <laughs> yes, there we go. Let's talk about Clip Talk. Sure, absolutely. Um, so the big, the first question, of course, is what is it, right? Mm, yeah. Um, so this came to me, it, uh, a couple of other streamers were talking about this concept of Twitch is more of an endpoint for your content. It's a very interesting and isolated community that's hard to discover new content in because mm. Twitch as a, as a service is focused on live broadcasts. You don't really want folks coming up in the middle of a broadcast and saying, Hey, while you're watching Fritz, it might be really cool to check out this channel over here. Right. Right. That's, that's kind of rude. Um, so, how do we how do we make things more discoverable? How do we make things so folks can find other content? And for a while, people were pointing and saying, "Well, TikTok does a really nice job of this, where they suggest, and after you're done watching a video clip, a little two three minute video clip, here's another thing that you might be interested in based on some of the content that you enjoy." So, I. I took that idea and and ran with it because I was looking at content for, for my Twitch stream where I I build and write software live on, on the days that I'm streaming. And I said, well, I wanted to build something that uses a bunch of Azure capabilities. Mm -hmm. How, how do we build something that uses a, a whole bunch of Azure services? And we, we answer that question that everybody has show me something that's built with blazer that that that's out there in the public that anybody can touch and interact with and and my non-technical family members can work with and 
it doesn't matter to them that it's built with Blazor, JavaScript, or whatever. Right. And that's that's kind of what drove me to say, well, heck, let's build this thing with Blazor WebAssembly. Let's build it with Azure static websites and drop in a couple of other Azure services and really show that we can build a web application that that can scale pretty well, deliver a ton of data, manage a whole ton of data, mm. um, and and take advantage of all these different Azure services and, and components and tools to, to make a very cohesive experience. So since, gosh, uh, November 2020, I've been slowly, every couple days, live on stream, uh, throwing wrenches and, and tuning and adding features to this website to make it easier for folks to discover content, Twitch content, using using Blazor, Azure, C Sharp, some of our favorite tools and technologies. I mean, of course, this is a double whammy because you're building a tool for making it easier to promote Twitch stuff, but you're building it yep. on Twitch. So yes. it is content yes. unto itself and then helps support content as well. A, a, a friend of mine that, that that I used to work for it once said, "If you're going to build content, use it at least three times. Right? Hmm. Don't just write it, write a demo and publish a blog post. Turn that into component of a talk. Okay. Record it and turn it into a video. Talk about it on a podcast. And uh, I, I reuse the heck out of everything that I've been building and working on, and what I've learned." working on ClipTalk. It also helps that you're you're building apps. Like I think it's one of the challenges for every Microsoft employee is you, you're in the business of building tools for others to build apps. Yeah. So the time that you can actually build your own software and, and kind of feel our pain. Right. Right. There's something to be said for as as a program manager as somebody who's building and working with tools to to publish and i when i worked at telerec even before microsoft I, I had little applications that i built that used whatever product it was that i was managing so hey we want to test out we want to try a new feature it's okay for for customers to say i really want this to work this way or or somebody to report a bug and oh, does it really behave like this to have a real app application that I'm shepherding through all of these things, these new features, I can feel and test and experiment and try out those things. And it gives me immediate relatable experience mm -hmm. on all those capabilities. Mm -hmm. Well, so, I recall a few times that I've dropped it on your stream too. battles with Azure, like yes, battle. And mostly it seemed to me like too much Swiss Army knife. It's like, which way is the right way to do this thing? Are you talking about battles with configuration doing live demos? No. Although I've hit some of that. I've definitely hit some of that. But battles like, where do I run a container on Azure? Oh. Okay. There's yeah, about a half dozen different places you sure. can run a container. And, and all of them have have their own purposes and and reasons why you would choose to run a container in those different places well right. okay here's my requirements i have an image out there that somebody else made and i just want to launch an instance of that and and wire up a mysql database to it and publish that as a website how do i do that mm. and those types of decision points are a little bit trickier than 
than how some of the documentation puts it out there. So to be able to take that information back to teams and share and show, here's where some of these decisions get tricky or, or how do we improve our documentation to be able to share and, and point people in the right way? Hey, if you want to do this type of interaction, here's how we recommend you build and deploy. So it, it ends up being good real world experience and getting good feedback from viewers that have run into similar things, but their experience just has never been heard. They don't click the feedback button in the top corner of the Azure portal or in the top corner of visual studio because they're just, they they might get too frustrated. It's the end of the day. This didn't work. You know what? I'm going to put it to bed. I'm going to come back the next day and try something different. Mm -hmm. Okay. We get it. Yeah. I I also feel like I still feel like it's me, right? That I haven't thought about it enough. It's like, until I can really get it into a repeatable circumstance where like, this just makes no sense. Before I really, I'm not going to write it up. I, I still think I just haven't learned it well enough. You know what? And and that's exactly the type of experience that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. Ah, did I really do this right? Ah, am I am I hitting the all of those touch points? Am I have I done this right? Have I read have have I read the documentation properly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I missing something? Was a new feature released that I don't understand? Did I not listen to that episode of .NET Rocks where they <laughs> talked about all the different ways that you could use? X. Yeah, exactly. A lot of them. Right. So you, you, you do want to spend some time spinning your wheels to make sure cover my basis before I go and report an issue. Mm. But you know what? There's, there's a a time to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I've spent a half an hour researching and making sure that I'm doing this the the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I I need help on this. I need somebody to talk about this. So do you see this as a sort of a, Twitter for Twitch, which is kind of the way it looks, isn't it? It's like a feed. It's, it does look a little bit like that. I'm, I look at this more like an Instagram for Twitch. Let okay. me, let me explain a little bit. So clips on Twitch are very much a, a, a organic thing that happens as a broadcaster, as somebody who's publishing content on Twitch, I'm going to go on and I'm going to publish and I'm going to create long form content, right. long form being an hour, two hours, six hours. And for some of these folks that are playing games, they're playing League of Legends, they're playing Fortnite, Valorant, whatever it might be. They're on and they're playing that game for eight hours, five days a week, maybe six days a week, Mm. depending on, on how into that, into it they are. And clips are created by viewers typically to highlight Highlight victory moments. Highlight when something funny, something weird happens, something that's an interesting highlight. We want to call that out. Yeah, you don't want to watch a you don't want to watch a whole cricket game just to see the one goal. Exactly. For example. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't right? even know what it's called. Is it called a goal? It's Richard? called a run and there's lots and lots run. of them and you know nothing about cricket clearly. Okay. Right? Maybe I'm talking about, you know, football. Football. Yes. Football yeah. game where ninety minutes go by zero I, zero. Okay, minutes. yeah, I know that football is low, and you know by by football I mean soccer Americans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yes, but uh, yeah, low scoring. But cricket goes on for days, three days. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it used to be the big test for three days long, but yeah, they tend they've gone to a more um, streamlined model. It's only one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only curling? understand cricket when I've been drinking Australian beer for like an entire day. Then it makes and sense. I've got stuff to do. 
the, the lawn needs to get cut. I'm sorry. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> got things to do. You can't watch got, an entire day of cricket. We we have the same problem on the podcast, right? And that is, you know, it's an hour long podcast, and in there somewhere, Richard made a joke that was hilarious, and people were like, "What is that joke? Where is it? How do I get that?" I mean, it's so right. So how do we call that out, yeah. right? Now that's something that either a viewer can can clip. There's literally a little a little clapboard icon at the bottom of a Twitch video. As you're watching it, you can click and you can go mm. isolate up to a minute of that content. Right. And it saves that out. It actually generates a little bit of data that Twitch saves. And they actually cut an MP4 and they throw it out on on an Amazon web server so that folks can can download and play that after the fact. Right. Okay, but how do I go and discover these highlights, right? I mean, these these are the highlights of the right. cool things that happened on these streams. And and guys, I want to be able to watch that like Sports Center. Give me the, the give me the the three minute wrap up on what happened in the basketball game, the, the cricket game that took a day yesterday. Give me the three minute wrap up. Show me show me the runs. Show me the interesting things. The exciting conclusion to it. I, I don't want a three-hour meal. I just want a snack. <laughs> I, I want the Cliff's notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do we do that? How do we find those things? Yeah. Well, Twitch provides a, a, a clips button, and it, fine, you can see the clips on a channel, and they're kind of organized by date. It's but being able to right? search through them, yeah, chronologically, be able to, to search through them and find some of those highlights is hard to do. And it I really want to find those those clips that are really popular. What were the things that a lot of folks watched because right the 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 big victory happened in Valorant, right? We we are in Apex Legends and there was an amazing recovery that happened. How do I how do I see that? Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't discover it. It's just not possible on their platform. So what I did as as one of the first things that I built on ClipTalk is I built in search so that you could search and order by number of views. Mm. You can order by it chronologically. And I wanted to allow folks to do those social media things that everybody likes to do on, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you want to be able to like things. You want to be able to comment on them. So I added those features also. So I've got some extra data points around it. And now you can search for those, the titles of those clips and order it by likes and comments and find these things. And as the website grows, this is going to become even more important to see there's a lot of folks that like what happened in these clips, not just that they viewed them, but they like what happened. Right. All right. Now we're talking. But then I took it a step further because exactly what you were saying, Carl, exactly what you called out. Richard told this really great joke in the other podcast, and mm. I can't remember when it was. Right. And nobody wants to go scrubbing through an MP3 that's an hour long to find, you know, 10 seconds of bliss. So what if I what if I generated a transcript for the clips? That's crazy. Made the talk. transcript searchable. Right? That's impossible. You can't do that. How I what technologies would you use to do something like that? I just don't get it. I would use artificial intelligence transcription technologies. So From, right, say, text to speech, uh, speech to text. So Azure Cognitive Services, perhaps. So here's where I start to take a few steps away from Azure. Ooh. I'm not using Azure Cognitive Services. Hmm. I looked at it. I tried it. 
And quite frankly, I found another company that had a little bit better model to work with. Oh, wow. And so I use a, a company called Assembly AI hmm. to generate those trans transcripts because not only do they give me transcripts, they also give me content categories and content safety warnings. Wow. So if we happen to be in the middle of that really great joke from Richard and it gets a little blue, happens, <laughs> it gets a little blue. <laughs> um, that wouldn't happen, right? That never happens. No. Not when the recorders are running anyway. I mean, yeah, it's. This is just the nutty kind of hypothetical. <laughs> so it would put an NSFW or a profanity tag on that clip. So would it like put NSFW or oops over my lips? You know how they used to do that in the seventies? It, it like no, it, it it just <laughs> oh I forgot. I'm only you analyzing the, the audio. Nice. Hey. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Hey, I was. I'm here. So, what tool is this, Jeff? That you didn't use cognitive services. So, this is Assembly AI. Okay, that hmm. I'm using, and they they generate content safety warnings and uh, content categories, so I can add those onto those clips. Now, transcribing audio is really expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, dollar plus so, a minute. I'm sorry, a dollar plus a minute. Um, so assembly AI, I can get, um, I, I believe it's, I can get through 60 clips for a dollar. Wow. I, I get, I get roughly a penny a minute from them. That's pretty cheap. This is, uh, yes. it's, it's funny you should bring that up because we have a question from Devley <gasps> who says, doing a community service like this feels important to not break the bank. Have you exactly. uh, reasoned picking services that give the best bang for the buck? And I think you just answered that with with this Ex one anyway. Exactly. But what about I hosting? Are you are you doing something economical for hosting? Oh, so how's that um, for meatball? <laughs> that's a meatball. So, um, ClipTalk runs on Azure static websites, right? So it's literally running on three web servers, free. Mm. Nice. I have I've deployed to three web servers, one in East US, mm. one in Western Europe, mm. and one in Southeast Asia, and it runs on all three of those free. Now the geo load balancer I throw in front of it with Azure Front Door, that takes a that has a little bit of a cost to it. That's okay. Because you're not charging for ClipTalk, right? I am not. We are not currently monetizing the application. Um, so all of the expenses, all of the management of this falls squarely on these shoulders and this wallet. Yes. This is your money being spent to operate this. Yes, indeed. So, so have you calculated a, a, a cost per viewer kind of thing? If you break it down, not even going for there a thousand yet. viewers, maybe not even going there yet. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I've got other problems to address first, but, but suffice to say, this is about as cheap as it gets so the 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 next issue that comes in is database mm -hmm. so i'm serving right now 11 million clips wow wow a day and, uh that's, no, no, how no, that's how many that, that's how many total i have indexed right. i've identified and we have indexed mm. of those uh, of those um, 11 million that accounts for about 60 gigabytes of storage right. okay Trying to run that in a regular relational database is really expensive. Yes. So I've moved and I'm using RavenDB hmm. running on Azure. Cool. So RavenDB allows me to run three nodes in a cluster mm -hmm. 
So I get failover. I get the ability to replicate and make sure that my data is always consistent and, and is always available. Um, and I can generate new indexes and have them scale appropriately using Raven and their Lucene indexing. Our friend Oren Eni um, and his company Hibernating Rhinos makes, uh, makes Raven DB and it's been absolutely amazing for mm. me to work with mm. and scale ClipTalk and its data structures quickly to include new features and, and pick up and do um, deal with literally dozens of gigabytes of data. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're growing. I've probably got another two years before I need to look at, dragging the slider to all right buy more disk space right so so you're good for a while yeah and gentlemen i'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message hey carl here you know software is everywhere putting us devs on the front lines of innovation improving people's lives shipping new and better features all while moving faster than ever before which is where our friends at raygun can help Their powerful error and performance monitoring tools make it easy to get all the diagnostics you care about for your team's web and mobile apps. When there's an issue, it shows you exactly what's going on, who's been impacted, and how to fix the root cause, down to the specific line of code. See how your users are experiencing your website or app in real time, and ship better code faster with confidence, knowing that Raygun will alert you to any new issues or regressions. Start a free 14-day trial of Raygun today and try it out for yourself. It only takes a few lines of code, and their simple usage-based plans start at $4 a month, a small price to pay to get your team and users to love you. Visit raygun.com. Try it out. You can thank me later. And we're back. It's Donnet Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Hey. And there's Jeff Fritz with the stripy beard. Hello, friends. It's good to see you. Talk a little hey. clip talk. I'm sorry, Carl, I stepped on your question. No, that's okay. Jeff, why did you choose Raven over Mongo, which I know Mongo is free, right? And Raven is, is not. Or does Raven have a free version? What's going on there? Mongo's, Mongo's not free. Okay. Um, right? So Mongo does all these things in memory. Mongo is very NoSQL. Right. Mongo um, has sometimes can have issues with synchronizing things to disk. Oh. So uh, clustering and standing up Mongo and getting it to behave properly in the cloud can be a little bit of a challenge. Mm. The other thing RavenDB gives me that no other database does effectively is the ability to infer and build indexes on the fly as I add new features. Right. I thought Mongo so, did that too. Mongo creates indexes on the fly for you? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I thought it did. I didn't think it did. I thought Yeah, okay. Well, Thomas Betts so, is asking a similar question, why Raven over Cosmos DB? And I imagine cost is the answer. Cosmos if you're in order to replicate Cosmos to another data center is really expensive. Uh-huh. Cosmos also runs with these things called DTUs. Yeah. Okay. What's a DTU? What is it? Yeah, and how many DTUs to a dollar? (laughs) (laughs) Not many. And um, quite honestly, I mean, uh, 
here, I tried loading my data into Cosmos. I ran for about a week running with sample data running in Cosmos. And quite frankly, I, I was burning through DTUs too quickly. Right. Like, but is. also, the, I mean, the feature of co- it's it's uh, request units, right? They, the mm, feature, the, something like the that. The focus yes. of Cosmos DB is on very rapid response time, and and you don't actually need that. Like, it's not just geo distributed, but it's that ultra quick, low millisecond response time for everything. Mm-hmm. See, it, it, that's what I do want. However, um, I was. I, the, the structure of my data and how quickly it was responding wasn't, uh, I'm sorry, how quickly um, I was able to load new data in and have it be indexed and searchable meant I needed to also stand up Azure Search. Hmm. Right. So now I've got to stand up and run two services where with Raven, I've got one. Right. And pay, yeah. pay, and pay by the minute. Exactly. Quite, nice. uh, and Azure Search, Azure Cognitive Search, once you break through the first two gigabytes, there's a cliff in cost. Oh, yeah. Interesting. The, the first two gigabytes, the first, I think it's, uh, is it the first 50 meg is free. Up to two gigabytes is $70. Then up to, I think it's, is it 25 gigabytes is $300 a month. I was going to be paying more for search than I was for my database. Interesting. It doesn't add up. And we should also say that, you know, you're speaking as Jeff Fritz consumer. Yes. Not Jeff Fritz Microsoft employee right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's correct. And the, these are prices. These are things that you can find. That's right. Going to the website. I'm not, I'm not stating anything that's out of line. These are. Yeah, it's not a diss. It's just a fact. Yeah. yeah, these are the way the but pricing yeah, they, is, so is structured. You've got RavenDB, which is very .NET native, mm-hmm. is doing yes. the things you need to do, and it's got direct ties to Elasticsearch, so your searching is pretty much integral. Mm-hmm. Yep, it may not be as performant as Cosmos DB. I don't even know if that's true. But again, I don't know that you needed Cosmos. Everybody wants their data to be faster, but your product wasn't yep. useless if you didn't exactly. have Cosmos DB speed. You could go a little slower for a heck of a lot less cost. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, consider I'm I'm synchronizing and loading new clips every every other minute mm-hmm. from Twitch into my database and into my search index. So that search index is is crunching and recalculating and rebuilding constantly. Constant. How many new clips a day? Because there's const- forty thousand. Forty thousand. No a day. kidding. And they need to all to be indexed in all the different ways all the time. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Carl, we hit a million clips in the month of March. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Dude. Right. I'm, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to see us reach, uh, 19 to 20 million clips by the end of the year. You know, it's like 30 a minute, right? Like yeah. every yeah. two seconds, another clip's going up. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. It's good and bad. Mm-hmm. Like we it's a led good with problem that. to have. Like this thing works great yep. as long as nobody uploads any more shows. But you know, <laughs> yeah. it, please stop. <laughs> but oh, it, it's not, and it, it's not a big deal to upload them. We could talk about storing those things. It's making them findable. Like when did mm-hmm. they appear? And of course, the person who uploads it immediately looks for it. So exactly every second right. that and goes by there is going to make them angry. So we so in the the dirty the, the dirty secret from Twitch is. When you create a clip, mm-hmm. they don't actually publish it and make it available on their APIs for at least another two, maybe three minutes. Right. So we ran a test live on on my stream where we created a clip, 
we clicked publish and it didn't become available for four minutes. Right. So even though you clicked publish and there was a link out there you could navigate to, nobody could discover it from the APIs for almost five minutes. Right. Like, okay, at the minute that I do pick that up, I want that indexed and available immediately because there's people sitting in chat that are looking for that clip. Mm. Yeah, they want the replay. Mm. Exactly. Right. You know, you said something a while ago and we talked about it briefly, uh, but I think it deserves a little more um, attention, which is RavenDB. I remember talking to Ayande Rahin uh, about mm-hmm. RavenDB, and Richard, you remember this too. Mm-hmm. And he was really, really bragging about the fact that it makes these indexes on background threads on the fly based on the data. And we thought that was amazing. And it is amazing because that's the problem with a NoSQL database, right? The, or the benefit of a SQL relational database is that you can make these indexes. So if you're searching like by date, ask me how I know. And you do not index the date, right? You don't create a, a, an index for the date. And you say, you know, give me all of the comments for starting with this date and ending with that date. And you're like, hmm, wonder why it's taking forever. Where did it go? Where did it come? What's happening here? And then when you index it, but the problem, of course, is adding indexes after the fact in a SQL database is really hard. Yes, it is. It's almost impossible. Okay, so so he says, all right, so you just create these things, and when you ask for data, and and there isn't an index, we just build one. And it goes off Mm -hmm. on this background thread, and it Mm -hmm. builds an index. Because in a document, you don't have... Yeah. You know, relational fields. So you don't have these, uh, the, you're, these many ones. You're also not worried about, I mean, even though it is ACID compliant, like you don't need that synchronous update. You can flush those indexes out after right. the fact. Yeah. Oh, I can I can um, have a staged deployment of those indexes. Mm-hmm. I've got three nodes in my cluster, A, B, and C. I don't need to build the index on all three at the same time. Mm. Right. Let's build it on A and stage it. it let's put it in it, after it's done building on A, and it might take it might take an hour or two to build. Sure. Stage that. Build it on B, and when it's done on B, stage that. And when it's done building on C, now roll them all in and dispose of the older version. Mm. Right. Done. Done. Right. It may take longer to do that, but it's consistent. And it's doable. And I <laughs> and, didn't have any downtime. Well, and it'll scale. Like yeah. as the number it's of clicks that. goes up, it's not going to change things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andy's a smart guy. He is a far smart guy. It's been a while since he's on the show. Right. Uh, Dev Lead says, heard they're re engineering the indexing bits in RavenDB uh, to increase performance even more. So maybe time to bring Oren back to the show for an update. I but think it, that's it a has splendid been a few idea. Years. It, it has been a few years. I checked, and we did do a show on version 4, and they're at version 5. But that, even that was four uh, years ago, and Iandy's even further back than that. Yeah. Yeah. Five Version 5.2 is what my my cluster is running, but there is, I believe there's a 5.3 out yeah. there as well. Hmm. So great stuff. Yeah, hmm. great stuff. And, and when you think about when you think about all the fields that are on a clip that I want to be able to search across, the the category of what it was the the show that folks were broadcasting, the title, the channel that it was taking place mm. on. I want to go search for clips on the Visual Studio channel. Okay, well, that means I need to be able to index and filter on the channel. Right. And then I need to order by date and some of these other things. And they convert all the dates to numbers. So it I, I can do easy date comparisons and it comes back very, very quickly. Mm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. 
And you, um, I mean, so you've been doing this for a few months now. What was your, can we ask you what your monthly bill is or what it has been? Uh, I'd rather not discuss that. Mm. But it's affordable <laughs> be- for a guy like you. Uh, sure. Sure. Um, I do have a couple of I do have a couple of sponsors that are helping with, oh, that's good. with some of the fees in in exchange for promotional consideration. That's good. Um, it, the the folks from Assembly AI they they uh, they're working with me once again for, in exchange for promotion. Same thing with RavenDB, um, and I'm I'm happy to to show off and and use their tools, and it helps make this application better. All right, I got I got the question. I got the question that will be helpful and you don't have to disclose anything. So given all of the, the places where you spend money on this, if Joe mm-hmm. uh, Visual Studio wants to, to publish something similar and he wants to use the technology stack that you use, where is he going to spend the most money? It, or the she, database. The database. Is that interesting? Because it, it's so much data that's being stored. Yeah, I, it also hits me that this product is really a search product. Like that's the the main. Mm-hmm. You you said it all along. It's about making those clips discoverable. Like this is mostly about indexing and searching and and mm. being able to find the things you're looking for quickly. Yeah. So oddly yep. enough, you're spending the most money on that. Like you don't exactly. have to store the clips, right? Twitch does that for you. No, exactly. Mm. And Good. what that does. What that does for me then is if there is DMCA or any kind of copyright challenge against the content, Twitch takes care of that. Yeah, not your problem. Yeah. You just got a link to something they can't access. Jeff, what is next for you? What's in your inbox? So I'm getting into machine learning with ClipTalk. I'm putting together a way to actually do that related content. How do we get from clips that you like to other clips that you like mm. so that it becomes a little bit more of a recommendation engine sitting in there as well. So that's, that's some more that I'm building there. Of course, I'm going to be doing more with St. Jude. I want to help out another charity out there, something called a humanitarian toolbox. Never hey, I've heard of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you've been helping us out steady too, by the way, with the, with the occasional streams and all that fun. Yeah. So even we're, we're two weeks ready is going well. We, yeah. we have more states so, getting on board with it, which is really exciting. Like we've been showing oh, that's off great stuff, showing off bits of it to a few other places. So there's a push for a tornado component now. So you get Ooh. a hint of what states okay. have been paying attention to us. Yes. You know, but do you oh, have yeah. a Sharknado component? That's because no, if you had that. Hollywood has not signed up. No. Otherwise we would. <laughs> <laughs> we need Sharknado insurance in case they come out with a sequel. Another sequel. Another sequel. (laughs) Teen actors from the 90s showing up. (laughs) Whoa, that's a cow. That's a car. Hey, it's Molly Ringwald. (laughs) (laughs) Molly Ringwald for two weeks ready. How you doing? (laughs) Molly, if you're listening, we're sorry. We didn't mean to pick on you specifically, but you should be, you know, proud because when we say 90s actor, teen actor, you were the first person that came to my mind. So. Guys, thank you very much. This has been wonderful. And uh, Jeff, thanks. It's been great. And congratulations with Clip Talk. It looks fantastic. And thanks for sharing the guts with us. Oh, thank you. Not a problem. Happy to share. And uh, as this thing grows, there's going to be more learnings and things. We're going to blog about it and we're going to publish more so that hopefully other folks learn how to better use Blazor, Azure, and C-Sharp technologies together. It's a great time to be a .NET developer, isn't it? It's fun. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thanks. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.
Net Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 